Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Our sermon text today is from Genesis chapter 32, verse 29, where Jacob asks the person who's attacking him, the person he's been wrestling with throughout the night, what is your name? And that person responds, why do you ask my name? And then he blesses Jacob. The bedtime prayers that I learned as a child, I will say, are helpful in many ways, but they did not prepare me for the dangers of the night. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Guide me through the coming night. Wake me with the morning light. Those sweet, soft, pillowy words always assume that you're going to be able to sleep and that you'll wake up in the morning just fine and dandy. That's not always how it happens. And so today I'm thankful for this albeit strange story of Jacob and his wrestling with God, because that teaches us how to pray through the night, how to wrestle with God, and even how to win. Jacob was there with his back being pressed down into the mud, and he's thinking that this is how it's all going to end. His struggle that was a lifelong struggle was now finally coming to its conclusion. His hip was screaming at him because somehow with just a quick strike, the person who had attacked him earlier that evening and had wrestled with him through the entire night long had dislocated his leg from his hip. And if he were to let go of this person now, certainly that attacker would take advantage of the situation, take advantage of Jacob's injury, and he would kill him. So the best thing he could do, the only thing he could do, was simply hold on. This fight that he had been struggling began early, or the fight that he'd been fighting began early. It began actually even the moment he was born. Somehow, some way in the birth canal, Jacob grabbed onto the heel of his brother Esau so that both were born together, making it more difficult to distinguish who, in fact, was the firstborn. And now Jacob had just escaped his uncle Laban. He used trickery and deception to finally get away from him. And Jacob was was trying to get back home, hoping maybe to make things right or to at least be accepted by the family somehow. That struggle, that fight, would end here. What is your name? Jacob hated saying his name. Jacob hated saying his name because of what it meant. Jacob means usurper, usurper. And if you're not familiar with what that word means, just know that in Hebrew, Jacob means sneaky, dirty, weasley cheat. Usurper. And that's exactly who he was. So he hated to say it. He hated to give that kind of confession about who he was now that he was on the brink of death. He didn't even want to give that away in this struggle. He was an usurper. Not only had he grabbed onto Jacob's heel at birth, but also later on as his father Isaac was on the brink of death, calling for his oldest son Esau to come forward that he might bless him, Jacob conspired with his mother to trick his father. And So Jacob disguised himself as Esau. And when Isaac thought that he was in the presence of Esau, he gave away the family blessing, the blessing that had been given to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, a blessing that means that all nations will bow down 
to the family, to the children of Abraham. And in fact, the children of Abraham will become a great nation. Their blessing will be the same as God coming down and directly blessing you. Their curse will be the same as God coming down and directly cursing you. What power and might and wealth and honor will be given to this people, this nation. Jacob wanted it. So he tricked his father Isaac and received the blessing that was meant for Esau. The blessing Abraham once received. The blessing of nations came to Jacob. Now it seemed as if that blessing wouldn't be his after all. Perhaps it would be given back to Esau. What is your name? Forearm pressed against his throat so that he could hardly breathe. And finally Jacob confessed it. He said who he was. I am Jacob. I am the usurper. Not for long. I know because you're going to kill me. No, not for long. Because you are no longer Jacob. Now you are Israel. That's your new name. The attacker said to him, you are Israel because you have striven with God and men and have prevailed. That's winning? To be pressed against the mud, to be clinging for life? That's winning? Who are you? Jacob asked. What is your name? The person there revealed who he was. God, and he turned and he blessed Jacob. Hosea chapter 12, verses 3 to 4, shed some light on this struggle, at least a little bit. It's still kind of mysterious. But Hosea chapter 12, verses 3 to 4, talks about this moment where Jacob is wrestling with God and where God is blessing Jacob. And it says that, that Jacob strove with God. And then in verse 4, it says that through prayer and tears, he strove with the angel, and God blessed him. So who was it that attacked Jacob? Well, basically, the short answer is this. It's kind of complicated, but the short answer is simply, God in the presence of his angel came and wrestled Jacob. God in the presence of his angel came and wrestled Jacob, and Jacob prevailed. So I wonder, as you come here this morning, what have you been wrestling with? What did you... Soak your pillow with in tears over even last night. And perhaps last night wasn't as long a night as we would have wanted it to be. It still might have been long. In fact, you might have been one of those that was grateful to not have an extra hour of grief or struggle in your night. Maybe it's been weeks of struggle or maybe even years. How did you come to this morning? I can tell you that our, the evidence of our struggle is everywhere. It can be seen in the thin, thin smiles that we plaster on our faces and the short one-word answers we give when people ask how we're doing to hide the truth. It's seen whenever chairs are strewn about hospital waiting rooms as family waits for the surgery to be done or the night to end. It can be seen in the flowers at graveyards, our long wrestling and struggle God. So prayer sometimes works like this. In our dark nights, we reach up to God and we ask for a blessing. We ask for help in our time of need. 
And it seems like that mighty bicep of God pulls back and doesn't give what we're asking for. And so maybe we try a different tactic. Maybe, maybe we try some praise or thanksgiving in our prayers or try a little bit different, try to be a little bit more holy. Uh, Jesus, you're fair, you're radiant, you're beautiful. Fair are the meadows, fair are the woodlands. But you shine brighter, nothing compares to you. And then with crushing force, God delivers a blow. Problems get worse. Or new problems come. But that is not the moment to give up. When in prayers our, our backs are being pushed into the mud and it seems like God will not relent and it seems like death is near, that is the moment to cling on. That is the moment to hold on. To hold on to God and His promises and to call Him to remember what He has said in the past and what He has said about you. Because he will hear, and he will turn, and he will bless. His mercies are new every morning. Joy comes in the morning, Psalm tells us. So in this story about Jacob, you have a man who is walking in his old ways as a liar and a deceiver, as an usurper, a dirty, sneaky, weaselly, lying cheat. And he's walking in that way thinking that that is how he will continue to get by. He, he is coming back home and he finds that his brother Esau is approaching him with 400 men. And so he tries to buy off that wrath that Esau might have. After all, he stole the blessing of nations from his brother. His brother has a right to be angry. Perhaps his brother will kill him. And so he sends everyone away and he even isolates himself thinking perhaps that maybe if, if Jacob... Or if Esau comes upon me, he'll find me by myself and with nothing, and maybe he'll have pity. Maybe that's how I'll get by. And it's there, as Jacob is walking in his old ways, that God confronts him and forces him to confess his identity, to confess who he really is, the usurper. And then God gives him a new name. Not Jacob anymore, but Israel. Israel because he's God's warrior. That's what Israel means, God's warrior. Because he has wrestled with man and with God, and he has prevailed. And he did it through prayer and weeping and holding on. And this name, this new identity given to Jacob, because it's not just a name, it's not just a label, it's who he would become, Israel, God's warrior. This name doesn't just apply to Jacob, it applies to all the children of Abraham. That this people, this nation that would come from Jacob, from Isaac, from Abraham, they would become this great nation and they would all bear the name of Israel. That they would all be able to call upon their Lord and cling to his promises and God would turn and relent. This name was a change in Jacob's identity. It was a change in his descendants' identity. This name is a blessing. This name means God's nearness. And you have come here in this morning, having wrestled with God, having wrestled and fought against your old identities, of fear, of shame, of being unworthy, of being hated or incompetent or despised. And you have come here fighting against those things, struggling against grief. And you have come here this morning. As the sun began to rise, you continued to cling. And you've called upon God's name. He's heard you. He will turn. He will bless 
and he will reaffirm that identity that is already yours, the identity you were given in baptism, that new name that belongs to you, that new person that you are, the new person that all people who are, who believe and cling to Jesus Christ, the name of Israel. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 tells us that you are a holy nation. You're a chosen people. You are God's Israel. You have wrestled with men, even with yourselves, even with God. And you have prevailed. Our prayers get honest at that point. We've been pushed deep into the mud where we are on the brink of death. We finally confess to God who we are, who we've been, what our identity is. Sinful human beings, unworthy of any blessing or promise. God loves a broken heart. So he turns and he mends and he heals. And that's what we've done already in this service. Through your struggles, through, through the night or through the week or through the years even, you've come here on this morning and as the sun continues to rise, you've heard that name of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's the invocation. The invocation is that moment where we come clinging to God and God comes to us ready to bless and He will indeed bless. There was once a story that I heard or a little anecdote that somebody told me about a mother and her daughter they were about to cross the street, and the mother says to the daughter, hold on to my hand, and the daughter turns to the mother in a word of wisdom and says, you know what? How about you hold my hand? That way I know I'll be safe. That's the invocation. We come clinging to God in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God comes to us. Hold on to his people. The invocation actually didn't make its way into the worship service until about the 14th century. Before that, it was something that, that priests or, or monks would whisper to themselves and their prayers that would happen before people gathered for Mass as a way of preparing themselves for the service. But now, we speak that name out loud so that together, God's people can cling on to God's name, can grasp the one that we've been wrestling with. We know it will finally come and bless in the morning. But it's not just that. Many of you, when we said the invocation, made the sign of the cross over yourselves in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And maybe you didn't realize this, but what you've been doing is something that has been going on since the earliest of, of early churches. There's a church father whose name is Tertullian. And if you're taking notes, I'll spell it out for you. It's T-Q-9-R. It's really hard to spell. Tertullian. And uh, Tertullian... Is, uh, talks about how this phenomenon started very early in the Christian church. He says, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically, we make the sign of the cross over ourselves and all the ordinary daily actions of life. With, with each forward step we take, whether we're sitting down or lying on the couch or about to eat, we make the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This name that we have called upon, this name that we have invoked, the God who has met us and the God that we hold on to doesn't just meet us here, and we don't just hold on to him here, but he is with us wherever we go. As we leave this place, we bear the name of God. That name has been put on you in your baptism, and so you carry it with you. So that when darkness comes, whether it's 2 p.m. or 2 a.m., God can bring his light. 
we cling to him. In his name, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But like Jacob, we don't, we don't leave that struggle unmarked. We don't leave the struggle with God the same. Jacob walked with a limp his entire life because of the injury that God had done to him. And so also for us, when we cling to the crucified Jesus, we're clinging to the one who also had his wrestling match with God in the dark, who was crucified outside of Jerusalem when darkness covered the land and cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This one was also heard by God. This one, because of his faithfulness and righteousness, God heard and remembered his promise spoken in Isaiah that he would not let his Holy One see decay and he would not abandon him to the grave. So on the morning of the third day, this Jesus was raised back to life and it's him that we cling to. And that means that we also will live. It means that we will defeat death, but it also includes suffering. Struggle, wrestling, pain, and the hurt that comes as our own self-reliance is stripped away as God turns us to walk in the newness of life. Paul writes that I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me. So we leave bearing both blessing and, yes, the pain of repentance. But we also leave with the confidence knowing that no matter how deep or dark the night gets, we can call upon the name of the one who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there, wherever we do it, we will be making a new beginning. Amen.